the axe of the blood god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast where we quest to be the very best like no one ever was. Yes, it is the 20th anniversary of Pokemon, and I have here with me Nadia Axford, Oxford, staff writer, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Game Freak's ridiculously popular RPG. Welcome back. This is like the third row episode in a row for you, Nadia. Yeah, uh, when it comes to RPGs, I never shut my mouth. This is the best thing because you are somebody who likes a lot of the things that I do, which uh-huh. makes it easy to bring you on the show. We can have girl time. All we really need is to like just be together and have coffee. Yes. Just, like, gab about the cutest RPG heroes. Oh my god. Oh my gosh, we should do that sometime. The dark secret of the U.S. Gamer staff is that I think we're the only two Pokemon fans on the team. I know that yeah. Jeremy has never particularly cared for it. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm definitely not like. I, I'm not someone who can like break down all the stats for Pokemon and whatnot. But like, if you want to like talk to someone about like Pokemon that they think are cool, I'm definitely a good candidate for that. All right, get out. Can't break down the stats. You can't <laughs> Aww, be on the show. Shortest podcast ever. And Bob uh, also said that he's not a fan of the series. I don't know where Mike stands. Um, and Jazz is like, Pokemon? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Get off my lawn, you kid. Exactly. So that kind of leaves me and you, Nadia. So I mm-hmm. suppose uh, kind of the question that I'm wondering is, where were you when Pokemon came around in 1998? I was actually reading... Uh, I think I, I was reading Nintendo Power, uh-huh. and I realized when I saw like a preview for Pokemon in Japan, I said, oh my god, this is going to be huge. And I decided right then and there, on launch day, I was going to get Pokemon Red. And I did. And it was a good choice. What was your first monster? Charmander. Right on. High five. <laughs> yes. It, it turned out to be a pain in the ass, because I had to go up against Brock and his uh, Onyx. Yeah, Charmander is actually hard mode. He is, but you know what? I did it. I stuck to it, and at the end of the day, I had a badass Charizard. Right on. Yeah, I've told this story a million times, but when Pokemon, when I first heard about Pokemon, I, I guess it was being hyped uh, through magazines and stuff at that time. I was like, Pokemon. Pocket Monsters is a bona fide international sensation. Why is Monster in My Pocket (laughs) such a huge thing all of a sudden? Yeah. I was legitimately confused because Monster in My Pocket was this... Was it a TV show or was it... It was a TV show. Was it Um, a toy thing? Toys. And I think it had a pretty good game, actually. Had a decent platformer, maybe? Yeah. In any case, I was never that impressed with Monster in My Pocket. So... I was a little bit surprised for to hear everybody going on and on about how amazing this new Pocket Monsters thing was. But I think it was in 1998 or so, uh, the anime had been going for a little bit. And my friend goes, oh, Kat, go check out the anime. It's kind of fun. And I was like, uh, okay. And I watched an episode. It was the one where they're on the, the cruise ship, the, the SS Anne. Oh, yes. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cute. 
and I mentally logged it in my memory and ended up asking for the game for Christmas, like mm-hmm. millions of others. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the beginning of a beautiful and sometimes abusive relationship. <laughs> Which one was your, were you blue or red? I got Pokemon Red. Yeah, okay, so like all good people. Yes, but my copy, um, I think it was like maybe 2000 or something that my sister borrowed my copy of Pokemon Red, Mm -hmm. as she did so many other things of mine, (laughs) and ended up getting it stolen along with her Game Boy. Oh, dear. Yeah. What a heartbreak. It was, but by that time, like, I had restarted many times over, um, Uh and... So, like, my monsters were... It's not like I lost my entire collection or anything. Like, I had started that game over... I had actually started over that game with the intention of playing it in, like, the summer of 99 or something. And, Mm -hmm. like, I had played it so many times and gotten so many of my monsters up to, like, level 100 or something that I was like, uh, whatever. I don't feel like it. People who, like, force-fed their monsters rare candy... Oh no no! Okay, good because I I wasn't I didn't find out about the glitch until long after I'd like used up all my supply of rare candy. Also, I think feeding your monsters rare candies actually made them weaker, if I recall correctly. Yeah, you you can't really just drip it intravenously or anything like that uh, because you won't level up quite as well. I don't know exactly how it works. I'm sure someone could break it down. It it did something to the stats. um, Yeah, because there was some like underlying system in even in the original games. That depended on you fighting monsters, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you could actually train a monster up like really efficiently. But if you just fed them rare candies, I think that system didn't come into effect. So they were notably weaker than usual. Yeah, that's probably the case. They really did. It really was kind of a very in depth, well thought out game even back then. And buggy as hell. Oh my goodness. <laughs> There's actually um, in Ontario, uh, sorry, Toronto, Toronto, Ontario. The Ontario College of Art and Design. Um, if you ever saw a picture of this stupid thing, you'd probably recognize it because it's so bloody ugly. It's basically a, a regular college, okay, downtown Toronto, and it has this checkerboard weird table thing standing above it. And everyone, like the nickname for the school is Missing No because <laughs> of this stupid ugly thing that looks like it does look like a jumble of pixels. Did you ever but, capture uh, Missing No? I gotta wonder. I never captured him because when I found out about him, of course, you had like a million people saying, you will kill your game and kill your family. Do not do it. <laughs> the but cloning did, glitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I, I did like, you know, kind of court danger and look him up. Um, yeah. I was reading a thing that supposedly if you called the Nintendo counselors back then and asked, how do I capture missing no? They would say, there is no missing no. <laughs> So it became like this urban legend, you know, the playground, the playground myth and that sort of thing. Yeah. And if you look at creepypasta now, well, you'll see what came of all of those. Oh, yes. I suppose any discussion of the original Pokemon Red is not complete without a discussion of the so-called original Pokemon Black. Yeah. And was that the one with Lavender Town? No, I'm thinking of Pokemon Lost Silver. That was someone actually made a fan game with that. It was actually pretty good. Uh, but I do know that when I was about .com's guide to the Nintendo DS, uh, one of my editors said to me, hey, for Halloween, why don't you just you know write a fun little Halloween-themed thing? And I said, okay, sure, fine, whatever. And I decided, okay, I'm going to write a thing about Lavender Town Syndrome. And that became the number one search string for Lavender Town Syndrome, and it is by far and away the most popular article I ever wrote for that site. What is Lavender Town Syndrome? 
Oh, goodness gracious. It is basically, you know that creepy-ass music that plays in Lavender Town? Yes. Uh, according to quote-unquote legend, uh, it's the original Japanese version of that music caused children to have seizures and go crazy and kill themselves after listening to it. So and basically a, a spin on the, the Porygon episode from exactly, the anime. Exactly, exactly what it is. Um, which is like just a really interesting evolution of how like legends work in the first place. But uh, supposedly the Lavender Town Syndrome music was changed very slightly for the American release. So I could see where the, the myth came from, but I don't think anybody actually died. Of course, there's a cover-up. There's a cover you know, of course, of course. My favorite creepypasta, like I'm sure a lot of you listening to this have already heard this, but there was a story of the guy who finds uh, a, a strange game called Pokemon Black at a flea market sale, mm-hmm. and you get uh, something called Ghost. Oh, is that the one with Buried Alive? Maybe, I don't know, but you have ghost and it can kill, like it can just kill a monster and then it can kill a trainer or something like that. Yeah, I think I've heard that one. Yeah, and if you use it throughout the entire game, like at the end of the game, um, it, like all of the people that monsters that you killed, like come back or something and... (laughs) And then eventually you are forced to fight it and it kills you and the screen goes black to like this low, terrifying dirge. And it's supposed to be like a meditation on like the cycle of life and what you're doing with yourself. And I'm like, (laughs) wow. That's kind of what Pokemon Lost Silver does. It's like supposedly a, uh, a an introspective journey of you as red where your life is like. Your life is basically nothing except catching and training Pokemon, and when you die, you amount to nothing, and you die lonely and nameless. And it's, if you look it up, it's actually pretty well done. Um, it's one of my one of my favorite creepypastas, to be honest with you, because I, I like creepypastas. I'm a little bit juvenile in that regard. Well, so are we all. Indeed. The funny... just really goes to show how Pokemon has, I don't know, like, touched a nerve... Mm-hmm. With so many different people, there's there's just something about this notion of embarking with a, a companion at your side, in this case, a little monster, yeah. and working together toward this goal, which is like getting all eight badges and fighting all and that kind of thing. I think it, uh, it's just very good at capturing your childish imagination, no matter how old you are. Uh, I do know that I have an Ash Ketchum hat from, God, it's from 98. Aww. It's one of the originals. And when I wear it, people just freak out. They're like, oh my God, I, I love Pokemon so much. And we're talking about little kids and adults. Uh, not to mention, I live in a building with a lot of like really religious Jewish people. So you have these Hasidim telling me, oh my God, I love your hat. <laughs> it's like, thanks, I love your hat too. You have a nice one. It just goes to show like how integrally the anime is tied into the identity of the franchise. Yes, that too. Because that's very much an Ash Ketchum thing, that hat. But oh, everybody yeah, knows it. it. Yeah. You're Every- right, because it's not really in the game so much, not so much in the mangas. It's totally the anime hat. I ended up writing about that for the site. You should find the article by the time this podcast actually goes up. And uh, you know, as a marketing vehicle, it's been unparalleled. Yes. Uh, there is no other... Like TV show, movie, you name it, that has been in terms of gaming, 
that has been as popular as the Pokemon anime. For God's sake, it's still going. Yeah, and it really kind of changed the uh, kids' TV market, too, because once that, once Pokemon's a thing, just anime everywhere. Yes, exactly. It got me into anime. I think I was already into anime, mm. um, but of course it wasn't widely available until that point. I liked anime, but I didn't know that I liked anime. <laughs> you were uh, a closet sort of anime. It wasn't fan. even closet. It was just I wasn't really aware of it. It was like uh, an eight ability or whatever you call it, where it just kind of hidden inside of you, and you don't know it until it surfaces, like a like a disease or something. When I grew up, I watched you know Sailor Moon and yeah. Voltron and that kind of thing, but I didn't know that they were Japanese in origin. I just knew that they had speed lines, and I thought those were kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> And my dad watched Star Blazers back in the um, the seventies. Oh, your dad's cool. Yeah, so like, he, and he still has fond memories of it because my dad's a nerd, and yeah, that's, so that's where my sister and I get it from. Uh huh. And he watched Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek and Star Blazers um, on my grandmother's television because he didn't have his own TV; he just had a stereo in a car. When I was uh, very young, my first anime, and I, of course, I had no idea either, was um, the Wizard of Oz adaptation. Uh, Canada had a lot of uh, anime because of Sinar, who uh, which was a French company that did a lot of uh, handled a lot of the dubs. So I was really drawn to this Wizard of Oz because it was a continuous storyline, which wasn't in kids' TV back then. And of course, you had uh, they released uh, the Little Prince, Belle and Sebastian, which was a good one. But now we're just talking about like cheap Canadian anime, <laughs> instead of, like Japanese anime. <laughs> That was the thing that drew a lot of people, I feel like, though, with the original Pokemon anime, though, was that it was serialized. Yes. Unlike, say, you know, Zelda or like the Mario TV show where it was just standalone episodes each week, usually with a dumb plot line that with a Mario skin over it. This one closely followed the TV show. I mean, not exactly like the battles in the in the anime had little to nothing to do with how the actual game mechanics work like yeah they just kind of make up the rules as they go along yeah in the in the game you cannot use water sprinklers to wet down an onyx and then have pikachu shock it so that (laughs) honestly would be pretty cool it would be kind of neat um you also had like some pretty like tender moments between ash and the pokemon like everyone remembers Mm. butterfree oh yeah i mean many tears were shed that day they were my room may have gotten a little bit dusty when Butterfree uh, said <laughs> at, goodbye at, to Ash. At that particular moment. But uh, I always remember the uh, the one episode where, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but Ash, being kind of a dumbass, ended up in a freezing environment. Uh, and he tried to put his Pokemon back in their ball so that they wouldn't freeze to death. And they refused to go back with him. They wanted to keep him warm. Aww. That was really sweet. Yeah, that was the thing was that not only was it heartfelt and it taught kids like fair play and being good sports and that kind of thing and working hard toward their particular goal, mm-hmm. um, it there was an arc to it. And yeah. you you wanted like Ash to succeed. You were like rooting for him. Mm-hmm. And the kind of the tragedy of that anime was that it, I think it was supposed to end with... <laughs> Ash making it to a tournament Uh and like losing essentially to his doppelganger and looking in the mirror and realizing like who he was and what he was working for and coming out of it a better person and then continuing on with his life. And that's kind of sweet, right? That is. Yeah. It's bittersweet 
but it's not a it's actually a really mature ending for a show it is but uh, ash has kept on journeying ever since (laughs) yeah he's still going like ash is still going even now never aging yeah it's kind of creepy and not only that no it's the weirdest thing is that there's a kind of continuity to the show. Like his old monsters show up sometimes, he uses them in battles. And like, mm-hmm. sometimes you see what his old companions are up to. And you're like, at this point, he's got like 15, like 800 episodes under his belt and like 15 years of journeying, but he's still 10. Yeah. Somebody tweeted at me that Ash is actually like, has been aging. You just don't really notice it, but he has a rather large bald spot underneath his cap. <laughs> Given his youthful face, that's even creepier. But, yeah, the original games just, they really seem to touch a nerve in a lot of ways. And I I think it's just a matter of the fact that you are capturing these monsters and they were yours and they were part of your identity. Mm -hmm. And you could self-insert into this character and you were on this adventure. And it turned a lot of people onto RPGs for the first time as well. Yeah, it did. Um... I guess because, uh, I mean, you still had grinding and stuff like that, but you also, as you said, the Pokemon were very personal. Uh, You could kind of uh, customize them even then to your liking. You could nickname them, of course. You had like a million swear words everywhere. Uh, And just, I guess for me at least, like even though I never minded RPG grinding, that sort of thing really kind of takes the sting away. Even if you're, God, if you're an idiot like me and you always level up a a, uh, Magikarp into a Gyarados. And that takes hours. <laughs> so you're saying like a dumbass switching out your Pokemon. But they kind of uh, got rid of that with the experience share item and then later uh, games. But the secret of the original games was to just carry three monsters instead of the full six. Why the hell didn't I think of that? Because <laughs> if you carry the full six, which the game encourages you to do for sure. Yeah. You just like there's a finite number of trainers in the game. Trainers give mm-hmm. you more experience. Yes. Otherwise, you're stuck basically just leveling up in the fields, which yeah, is kind of boring. Yeah. Right? So the best thing, like, is to carry two or three monsters with you that can uh-huh. kind of cover all of the bases. Uh-huh. Uh, if you get, like, a Starmie, Starmies uh-huh. are so ridiculously good in that game. Are they really? Oh, God. They're water psychic, right? Oh, that's a good point. Psychic is so OP in that game, and so is water. Yeah. So really, the only thing that it's vulnerable to is electricity. Uh-huh. And you just carry along, like, if you have a Bulbasaur, you can just switch in Bulbasaur. Or if you have, like, a Geodude, you can just switch in Gollum. Done. Jeez, I never even thought of that. See, I'm the kind of Pokemon player who, is, if it looks cool, it's in my team. If it looks <laughs> stupid, you're in the box. <laughs> if you care, And it could carry Ice Beam, so it could shoot down like birds. Oh, yeah, dragons too. That would destroy them. Um, and it could also kill water t- uh, grass types. Like, grass types didn't stand a chance against Starmie. Wow. And it had Psychic, too. Yeah. So, and Psychic would take care of, like, poison types and things like that. So, good luck taking out Starmie. Oh, and it was fast. And it yeah. had a move, like, Recover. Jesus. So, it could actually, <laughs> like, recover health as the game went on. It was kind of ridiculous. Uh, Starmie... Like, Starmie might have been one of the best, along with... A f- there were a few others. Um, Chansey was a very good Pokemon in the original game. Um, 
I believe uh, whatever Meowth evolves into uh, Persian. Persian. Persian was excellent. Really? I always thought normal types were kind of like, eh. Uh, that's the thing is that it's not really vulnerable to a lot of things, and uh-huh. it's so fast. Yeah, I guess speed counts for a lot in Pokemon. Exactly. So it could just really mess you up fast. Um, anyway, you could get a a small party and be able to cover pretty much all of the bases. The main thing was yeah. that you just wanted to make sure you had, um, you mostly wanted to make sure that you were carrying something like a Swiss army knife type monster for like the final battles so that you could deal yeah, with the yeah. elite four. Yeah. Cause they could be a bit tough. They could be a bit tough the first time you go up against them. Yeah. Especially when you get to Lance, the dragon master. Oh yeah. He's cool. Because he starts out with a Gyarados and Gyarados is, water flying so you got to use yeah. electricity on it yeah and then you use ice beam on the rest of them if you don't come prepared for the with that stuff then you're in for kind of a tough fight i can't remember uh which one of the recent games uh i don't even remember if it was a lance or another dragon trainer but god whoever was controlling the dragons in that game destroyed me <laughs> <laughs> that would have been lance yeah That's, yeah that sounds like lance and then you uh, end up was- fighting uh your rival yeah, yeah, he was champion for like two seconds. Way to go. Yeah, well, he still won. That's true. <laughs> I got to give him that mud. Oh, I was going to say, who was your original team? Like, do you remember who your your, your favorites were? Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't remember my original, original team. I think I, like everybody else, I probably overleveled Charizard. Yeah, I, I definitely did that. Uh, but my friend picked Blastoise. Uh-huh. Uh, picked Squirtle and evolved into Blastoise pretty much immediately because he mm-hmm. was overleveling Blastoise like crazy. And yeah. this was a particularly powerful Blastoise. Oh my god, <laughs> that thing owned me for years. Until one day I had an Articuno because I captured, I, like an idiot, I used my Master Ball and a Legendary Bird because I didn't know that there were more Legendary Birds or Mewtwo. Yeah. And I froze him by chance. And oh. in the original game, you don't unfreeze if you get frozen. Yeah, unless you have a uh, a heal, right? Yeah. Uh, no, you can't even use a heal because oh, uh, you can't use items in battle. Oh, right. So he got frozen. I managed to wipe out the rest of his team, and he literally never beat me again after that. <laughs> oh, wow. You totally psyched him out. I guess I did, yeah. Um, but over the years, um, some of my favorites from the original game, Gengar. Oh, Gengar's always cool. I loved Gengar because he he was vulnerable to, like, Earthquake at that time. He's not anymore. But he was super fast, and he could put you to sleep, and he just looked cool, right? He does look cool. I really liked him, and I liked Starmie because he was so powerful. Uh-huh. I loved Articuno because I just liked the iceberg-like look. He looked yeah. neat. I liked Alakazam. Uh, I liked Gyarados. I liked Charizard, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of favorites. How about you? Uh, let's see. My main team my, that I that I remember is uh, I had Charizard, of course. I had Dragonite, of course. Um, I got Aerodactyl. Uh, I mean, keep in mind, I like I said, I am a someone who plays for coolness. I don't play to win. <laughs> I got, uh, who else? Oh, Nidoking. I had a Nidoking with Toxic, and he... He busted some people up, uh, and eventually I was an idiot, and I got Mewtwo into my team, because I guess everyone's like, oh man, I caught Mewtwo, I gotta use Mewtwo, and exactly. my childhood was punctuated by it, like, just a bunch of us playing uh, 
Mewtwo versus Mewtwo. Mewtwo used recover. Mewtwo used recover. Mewtwo used recover. One hour later, nobody wins. Yeah, I used Mewtwo and um, Wyatt, like, basically one-shot my friend's entire team. And I was like, oh, (laughs) Mewtwo's a little bit OP. Just a bit OP. I think that I'm going to stop using Mewtwo now. It's really not fun. It's it's fun to catch him, but once you have him, it's like, okay, what do you do now? Go in the box, Almighty God of Pokemon. But we had a we had a pretty good little like Pokemon scene in my school. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was playing it when it first came out, and so we would all battle and trade with one another. And me being way too competitive, uh, I like went and leveled everybody up to like level one hundred. <laughs> and, like, I spent a lot of time on, like, the various websites that existed at that time, looking at stats and figuring out which monsters were kind of the best. Wow. Uh, which is why I ended up using Starmie, because I was like, uh-huh. oh, my God, look at this thing. And, like, for yeah. the longest time, nobody could get around my Starmie. Like, Starmie just wrecked everybody. Don't play with Cat. <laughs> <laughs> and they would be frustrated. Fr- they'd be frustrated because I'd do things like... Send out Starmie. They send out their electric type. I send out Gollum. They send out something to kill Gollum. I use Earthquake. Oh my gosh. I would lose to you in five seconds if I lasted five seconds. And I thought I was so smart. Because I was like, oh yeah, look at me. But then, of course, there was this one other kid in school. And he like wasn't going to lose to a girl. So it just wasn't going to happen. And so he leveled up his team, like, went, like, crazy, and he got his own Starmie, which was better than my Starmie. Oh, dear. And so it became this arms race where I was looking for a secret (laughs) weapon, like, constantly. What I didn't realize was that I wasn't actually that good, even at the original game, because I didn't know, like, what eventually kind of became the accepted strategy, I guess, or, and I didn't exactly have a powerful team, though I didn't know it at the time. But dang, was I really proud of myself in high school. Someone in my high school, uh, I don't know, if they, they passed around uh, this tidbit of information about how Beedrill was the best. <laughs> and so, like an idiot, even to this day, I sit there and I level up a Kakuna into a Beedrill just so I have one in my team. And then, like, one hour into the game, it's like, he's destroyed by everything. If I had known better, I would have had a Chansey on my team. And Chansey is very cute, too. And Chansey can just soak up those attacks from Starmie and that kind of thing. Uh, Chansey is, uh, nowadays, he's a fairy type, right? Um, yes. yes. I don't remember what he, what he was in Generation 1. Was it? It was just normal. Was it really just a normal type? Yep. Really? So it was like Clefable and that kind of thing. So how do they absorb all that damage just high just super high hp and uh special defense and then pokemon gold and silver came along and allowed chansey to evolve into blissey yes which was even worse (laughs) and gold silver gave rise to the dreaded skarm bliss combination which was skarmory which is Uh a flying steel type yeah um its only weaknesses are fire and electricity Uh uh-huh and but it can absorb pretty much everything else with its super high defense, right. and Blissey, which can absorb all special attacks. So you just switch between them constantly, oh, and basically you would wear somebody out, and uh-huh. it was kind of obnoxious. And yeah, that would be obnoxious. It was a long time before people like really started 
developing all all in one counters to those particular mm-hmm. monsters. But so wow. kids are clever. Kids are clever, yes. Um, and of course, that gave rise to the competitive scene. Uh, there was a competitive scene back in the late '90s, kind of, uh-huh. but it didn't really begin to take off a bit until like Gold and Silver, I would say. Yeah, that's when the series really seemed to take off. Yeah, when I got into it in like 2003, it was Ruby and Sapphire, mm-hmm. and I was playing on IRC through a bot. Oh, and, nice. And most of the like community gathering places were like IGN and GameFAQs and that kind of thing. Wow. Um, like we each had our individual communities and had tournaments and battled one another. Um and then it was around 2004, 2005, that Smogon came around. And Smogon mm-hmm. is kind of the de facto home for all things competitive battling. So, Are they, um, gosh, are they that old? 2004? Uh, the founder of the site used to come around to our IRC channel quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, chaos. And um, we would argue with him a lot. Because he had his own ideas of what should be legal and what shouldn't be. Because right. half of the arguments around Pokemon revolve around legality of certain monsters. Yeah, they're, they're the ones that came up with the whole uh, tiers, right? The yes. OU. Well, I mean, OU, like overused and that kind of thing still already existed. Uh-huh. Like that terminology kind of existed already. It's just that they codified it. Oh, I see. But in our, like, rules, like, basically all legends were banned except for certain ones like the birds and the dogs mm-hmm. and the Registeel, Regice, Regirock. Yeah. Um, and he came in and said, no, I think Celebi should be legal. Uh-huh. And we, like, argued vehemently against it. But he ended up getting his way. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, when he came around, I was starting to get out of Pokemon because I'd been playing it competitively for, like, a year and a half at that point, And I was kind of uh-huh. burning out. So I probably could have had a pretty large role in the foundation of Smogon, but I ended up leaving right around when it was taking off. And Mm -hmm. as a consequence, um, everybody forgot who I was, which was... Oh, no. Yeah, whatever. Well, people remember you now. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I know who you are. Oh, thank you. I appreciate (laughs) it. So after 20 years, Pokemon's still going. It is. You know, there are a lot of reasons for that. But I think what it comes down to is it is one of those few games that can be all things to all people. It really is. I think it comes – that's how simple it is because uh, when you think about it, kids like the cool monsters, adults like the strategy. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And, it all, and of course, it crosses over. I mean, kids can like the strategy and adults can like the cool monsters, but it's it's a very winning formula. And it does a really good job of appealing both to the PvE crowd, the kind mm-hmm, of people who are like – I'm going to stream myself, like, catching all of the shinies and just trying to catch them all, blah, 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 right? Yeah, and I think as someone who reviews a lot of mobile Pokemon clones, none of them have really touched that formula quite as well as Pokemon. I mean, not even close. Yeah, um, plenty of games have tried. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and a couple are decent. Like, I really like the Monster Island series, but they really are their own thing. They don't even try to be Pokemon, so... You know, they come up with their own system, their own lore. Uh, but everybody else, you, when you look at them, you kind of see, like, hey, we're trying to do the handheld Pokemon. And uh, it doesn't work out so well. Because Pokemon, I don't think they realize how intricate it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, multi-layered. Yes, exactly. I, yeah, that's what it really comes down to, is when I look at a lot of these Pokemon clones, 
yeah, you can collect a lot of monsters, but exactly. part of the charm of Pokemon, I mean, in the original game, this wasn't the case, but nowadays, like, every monster has its own personalities and traits mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. has a bit of an origin story to it. And in even in the original game, you know, you would catch a monster and the stats would vary a little bit. And yeah. the rock, paper, scissor nature of it was really... Uh, as you said, intricate and added mm-hmm. quite a bit of depth to it. And so you wanted to kind of dig in and find out what, you know, an optimal six monster team ended up being. But yeah. at the same time, it was like super accessible, right? Like it was yeah. easy to get into, easy to play, easy to have fun with. You had multiple goals, like catching them all and all that. And the thing that really drove it was it had really good art. It did. It still does. I st- even the the quote unquote lame designs. I I kind of admire them. <laughs> like uh, who's the who's the ice cream cone? Uh, oh, yeah, I know. Every- the ice <laughs> cream cone. Like well, even like misfires like Jinx and Mister Mime. Yeah. They've stuck in our memory, right? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, Kyle Bosman has this whole thing with Mister Mime where he's not allowed to mention his name on his show, or else he'll pop up and destroy everything. Oh God! <laughs> I'm kind of looking around now, kind of like terrified. I actually, uh, when I first played, um, I think it was X and Y, I got it early. I named my Mr. Mime Kyle Bossman, mm-hmm. and uh, I took a picture and said, hey, Kyle, look what I did for you. And he tweeted <laughs> me back with, this is my life's greatest displeasure. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had Jinx, who was accused of having blackface. Yeah. Eh, it kind of looks like it, doesn't it? Probably make it blue just to be safe, as it were. <laughs> they turned it, <laughs> They turned her face purple. Was it purple? I thought it was blue. No, but I think she was supposed to be a siren. Oh, okay. She's kind of an ugly siren. I'm sorry. Yeah, like an ugly siren, but it ended up looking, well, a lot like blackface, which is why that episode, the jinx, like, at Christmas or whatever, ended up being banned in the U.S. (laughs) No Christmas for jinx. (laughs) Exactly. But when I look back at the original Pokemon Red and Blue, I that game ended up being kind of a... It's crazy to say, but an integral part of my life because... Oh, I, I can relate to that. Not so much with Pokemon, but other games. But yes, I see where you're coming from. In the sense that it was because of Pokemon that I discovered anime. And mm-hmm. it was because of anime that I ended up taking Japanese in college. And it was through that that I met my partner and ended up moving to Japan and getting into games writing. And now I'm here. Yeah, so thank you, Pikachu. <laughs> exactly. And that, and I just, when I play the series, it's like going home. Yeah. I can relate to that with uh, with a lot of games, but I can see, I can absolutely understand the sentiment. How do you feel? Do you still play? Pokemon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I still play every one of the new games as they come out. Um, I actually enjoyed X and Y. I, I, I know you didn't like them as much. I liked them. Uh, I thought they were fun. Did you like X and Y? Yeah, okay, I thought you right. liked them. I think a lot of other people didn't. Um, the deal is that I kind of got out of Pokemon because yeah. it just became too time-consuming. And yeah, it is huge. Yeah, like, even now, um, just raising up a monster can take upwards of, like, an hour or something like that. And that's yeah. even with, like, everything being super streamlined. Yeah. And if you don't have perfect stats, it's almost like, why even bother playing competitively? Mm-hmm. And I find that draining and kind of boring. And also, yeah. like, the metagame is shifting so much that, like, you raise up a monster and that monster can be outdated pretty quickly. 
So yeah. there's not a lot of room for experimentation unless you play on like the battle simulators online. I think uh, one thing that kind of frees me from all that is I'm not into the competitive scene at all. Like mm. I can play a Pokemon. I play it for the story, basically. I, I go through it. I, um, you know, just beat the trainers, you know, maybe, you know, putz around with some people online and I have a good time with it. And uh, I think X and Y I had a crush on uh, uh, Sycamore. I think I still do. I think... I think your approach is probably the healthiest. Yeah, <laughs> I can I can see why Pokemon would get really old and really really frustrating if you're in the competitive scene, especially nowadays, because it is 700 Pokemon. Nobody's got time for that. The other thing was that I so there are essentially two meta games now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going around and asking some people from the competitive scene oh, hey, would you like to come on the podcast and, like, talk about it with me? And they were like, well, you know, I I go by the Smogon rules and not by the the Nintendo Video Game Championship rules, so I may end up confusing your listeners. And I'm like, eh, okay, whatever. But <laughs> the point is, is that there are, like, two distinct sets of ways to play it now. You can either play yeah. it 6v6 with just 1v1 or, like, mm-hmm. six monsters 1v1 which is the smog on rules, mm-hmm. or you can play it 2v2, right? So playing yeah. doubles, which was introduced in the original, like, which was introduced in Ruby and Sapphire. And that yeah. has become kind of the uh, the embraced metagame by Game Freak. And I asked them, why, why doubles? And they were like, well, I mean, we just think that it affords way more possibilities for your strategy. Yeah, uh, no kidding. <laughs> that's not, not a bad reason Right? I mean, because then you think so much more about, like, the synergy between, like, your pairings. And you have to, like, worry about things like, oh, if I use Earthquake, I might end up killing my Pikachu. Yeah, exactly. It it does make things a little, it does add some layers to the the whole thing. So I respect that. But at the same time, I came up playing 1v1. Like, that's the game that I know. That's the game that I prefer um, for a lot of different reasons. So... I'm just not inclined to learn doubles. Uh, that's too much work. I don't have time to learn an entirely new metagame. I'd rather play Hearthstone. How about uh, triples? Oh, God, it's even worse. <laughs> One of my favorite things, uh, someone, I can't remember if I saw it in a video or a gif. Somebody has uh, three whale lords versus three whale lords, and they're just taking up the whole bloody screen. And the best part is someone named one of the whale lords Rob's mom. Mm. <laughs> See, I'm sorry, I'm two years old. But just this, this poor screen, this poor Game Boy or whatever is struggling to keep up with these three, <laughs> six whale lords on screen. Oh my god, jeez. Because they're so huge. Oh, they're enormous. Uh, the, the last thing, the, the last reason that, god, I, and I get into this every time I talk about Pokemon, about why I've like kind of fallen out of it. So my favorite variant of Pokemon was Diamond and Pearl. In mm-hmm. not, uh, it was a little slow. Not going to deny that, but I liked how fast the battles like themselves moved, and mm-hmm. it had cool things like when you went into a battle, you didn't know what your enemies had, so you right. had to scout, and you did scouting by like doing things like using a move U turn, where you would go in and zip back out. And you would get to see if they switched or if they stayed in. And then you could, like, respond appropriately. Mm -hmm. You would send out, 
monsters that were just there to kind of act as lures to see like if they would try to use a particular move so that you got an idea of what movesets were. Right. I felt like the game itself was in a good place in terms of the number of monsters and the term in in terms of balance and like the power creep had started to come up but it wasn't as crazy as it got much later. And yes, it did introduce um shark shark dragon. Yes. Land shark. <laughs> And Landshark might have been, like, the subject of the greatest flame war in Smogon history, uh, because Smogon ended up banning him, and that was just the source of constant debate. Is that a Sharpedo? Uh, no, no. Um, Garchomp? Garchomp. Yes, that's okay. the one. Landshark. <laughs> and then later on, they ended up banning Salamence, too, um, which really? was the dragon from so. Ruby and Sapphire, which... Yeah. But, yeah, that's neither here or there. I liked it. And then... Yeah. I also ended up really liking black and white because even though dragons were super OP, mm-hmm. I sort of had my team, right? Like, yeah, I had found the team that I really liked and had just enjoyed using. And then X and Y came around and it was like, oh, like most of my old team members are outdated and everything's different. And I don't particularly like mega evolutions and they look cool. Yes, they do. But now the seventh generation is coming along. Yes. Uh, apparently. Um, as of this podcast, probably Nintendo announced uh, Sun and Moon. Yes. How do you feel? Uh, about the names or the, the about, generation? It's about the fact that there's going to be a seventh generation that will probably bring up the count to like 900 monsters while not overly changing the formula. Uh, I really kind of do hope they don't add too many new monsters. Uh, I do, you know what, I kind of like what Black and White did, where you could not access your old monsters until you had a, at least one through one go through with the new guys, because they just completely redid the roster, didn't they? Like, they added a whole bunch of new guys, and you had to use them before, at least give them a try before you go back to Pikachu. Pretty much, yes. Uh, they They explicitly had monsters that were... Uh, native to that region, and they didn't bring in any other monsters until... or Well, maybe I'm wrong. I think they had some old monsters, but there was a particular Unova Pokedex. Yeah. Um. Hey, I'm I am pro Pokemon. I am I am okay with it. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical. Are you? What 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 has you worried about the whole thing? I just think that the series has gotten kind of stale. And I what would you like to see them do to kind of freshen things up a bit. I don't know. I think you know, that I they can, need to change the format. Frankly, I could see. I, I could definitely see them. Like from my angle, when I'm more of like kind of a, a single player, uh, I could see certain things that really, really need an overhaul. Like, uh, was it Omega Ruby and Sapphire? I was playing. Okay, well, one of them I was playing, and I realized like the, the bad guys, Team Rocket, Team whoever. They always have the lamest Pokemon, and like <laughs> fighting them is never interesting or fun because it's like, oh no, look out for my deadly Rattata, and it's like one Dragonite later, they're dead. Uh, so just stuff like that, you know, make it challenging. Maybe change up the formula a bit in terms of the story. I'm not asking for like War and Peace here; well, that'd be cool. I think that they've just clung stubbornly to this format of getting eight badges, finding the Elite Four, and then finding the champion. And frankly, yeah. it's not interesting anymore. As a tutorial, it's boring. And yeah, yeah, it's great that it opens up a ton after that, and you can do your own thing, and it becomes a de facto MMORPG. But 
been there, done that. Maybe I, I, I kind of want to have a reason to actually enjoy the story. Yeah. I've posited that a, a way to freshen things up would be to make the player a gym leader. That would be interesting. Where you like bring in elements of Animal Crossing and you're playing like community leader and you're going on quests that bring you monsters and then you're also taking on challengers. And there can be a fun story like surrounding that and you can customize your gym and choose what like what type you want to represent or whatever you or like what theme you want to represent. And it would just be whether it's like a post game quest or as a main story, I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I would definitely be interested in that. Um, I see no reason why they can't, you know, they don't have to make it a super complex story because, again, there's, like, very little kids playing, too. But they stuff like that would be really interesting. I mean, you kind of had your own little hideout in uh, Omega Ruby and uh, Alpha Sapphire, and I like that. Exactly. Yeah, no, I've always liked the hideouts. I, I think that they're yeah. pretty cool. Uh, but it just doesn't seem like they are wedded to this formula. And until Mm -hmm. it proves that it's not successful, they're not going to change it. And after 15 years, or more than 15 years of playing this game, um, I'm a little burned out. But they're not thinking of me. They're thinking about the kids who are coming up. And to them, it's fresh and new. And as long as they get uh, new blood, it's fine. That's the double-edged sword when you have a, a, a series that is appealing to both children and adults. Uh, because people like us, well, let's face it, eventually we... We're old. We old, we're old. <laughs> we, you know, we have to do mundane things like, you know, have families and have jobs, whereas it's the kids who have all this time to, like, you know, blow on Pokemon and get, like, really invested in the monsters and whatnot. Yeah. And if you look so, at if you look at streaming, I mean, it's still pretty popular on streaming. Like, you see yeah. uh, things like Twitch Plays Pokemon or people are... People will watch, I don't know, like people going out and catching shinies or or just doing random single player things or battling, like the battling community on YouTube and Twitch and such uh, is quite healthy. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who are like super into the Nintendo's like championships. So there's yeah. a, a pretty healthy, hardcore community. And like, I don't think Game Freak would be well served by like alternating that, but... In any case, uh, Pokemon will march on. It will. Will you keep playing? Oh, I will. As long as uh, the games keep coming out and they're they're relatively fun as like a good, solid RPG, I have no reason not to. You know what? And I think that'll be the case for me. I- I'll say one more thing, though. If they bring back like the Battle Frontier or fun post-game content, like, I don't know, let me hunt a lot of uh, legendaries in interesting ways... Give me a reason to complete the Pokedex um, by awarding me a cool shiny or something. And let me do something like the Pokemon World Tournament from Black 2 and White 2, where you fight all of the gym leaders and champions from the games up until that point. Yeah, that'll make me happy, and I'll like totally dig it. Yeah, I that stuff should be in there, I believe. Um, no sense in taking stuff out. But they but do that all... But they do that. I know, they do it all the time. They You're do right. it constantly. They take out... It's actually kind of infuriating. When, and they'll be like, well, this feature is native to this region. Yeah, that's really stupid. <laughs> so they're like, well, you see, in this other region, uh, contests just aren't as popular. So that's yeah. why they don't do them. And I'm like, but contests are fun. Yeah, come on. It's a globalized world. 
on the other hand, it makes it really exciting when they're remaking a game because they're like, oh, we're bringing back this feature. Yay. Oh, man, they had us all figured out. Ugh, worst. Worst. <laughs> um, you can find the rest of my Pokemon 20th anniversary coverage over on the site. I wrote a bit about the anime. We speculated on what the big announcement for Friday would be. Turns out that it's the seventh generation unless uh, unless this Pokemon Sun and Moon stuff turns out to be total BS, which is entirely possible. could be totally a trick. It could be, but uh, I think even if it is seventh generation, I think it'll be more than that too. I think we're going to see a lot about Pokemon Go. Yes. And a little, next week, I am going to be reviewing Twilight Princess HD. So. Ooh, wish I was. <laughs> it's kind of Nintendo, all Nintendo all the time for me. Yeah, that's okay with me. And what are you playing right now, Nadia? Uh, I'd really need to get a, a hold of Fire Emblem and play that sometime. Mm. Um, but playing for myself, I'm just kind of going through Breath of Fire 3 still. Uh, oh, this and that, basically. Picking up stuff, putting it down. I'm not really committed to anything just yet. I'm not really writing any reviews mm. yet. <clears throat> Which version of Fire Emblem are you going to play? I think I'm going to start with Birthright. Oh, that's not a bad approach. Yeah. Have you listened to our, our podcast where we talk about the differences? <laughs> no, not yet. Just go back and I listen g- to it. I guess they're at homework. Also, we're going to bring back the flagship podcast next week. Oh, that's right. We are. Yeah, Mike's going to be hosting that one. So yeah, for like the hundredth time, we're reviving it. So hopefully yeah. it ends up working <laughs> out. In the meantime, you can find Acts of the Blood God on iTunes. Subscribe to us. Also, Stitcher and wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, check us out on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash usgamernet, where we stream games new and old twice a week or thereabouts, at least once a week. Um, I, uh, By the time you listen to this podcast, I will have embarked on my Nuzlocke run. We didn't even yes. get to talk about Nuzlocke runs. We talked for like an hour about Pokemon, but... We didn't talk about all the funky rules that have grown up around it. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of time for that during the stream. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And, of course, you can check us out on YouTube or just go to our site and read a bunch of stuff. Nadia is covering the news by day, and Mm -hmm. I've been really enjoying your work, so it's been fun. Thank you so much. It's been fun writing for you guys. It's been uh, been about a month now. Yes, it has. Well, how time flies. Next thing you know, it's going to be E3, and I'm going to want to kill myself. Yeah, same. <laughs> but in a good way. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Games. As for what we're going to be doing next week, I honestly have no idea. Uh, it's entirely possible that, uh, we, well, I will just have to make something up. Or maybe I'll talk about Zelda because that is something that I do on occasion. Yeah. Even though I don't really think Zelda's an RPG. But don't tell Jeremy. We can we can we can cheat a little bit. Exactly. In any case, until then, I've been Cat Bailey. Thanks to Nadia Oxford. Until next time, happy adventuring. <laughs> <laughs>